Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about the emotional body. Can you please tell me what is emotional body? Sure. I mean, uh, the emotional body is one of the five um, bodies that um, a human in third dimensional space would have access to and would be comprised of. Um, is there anything in particular that you wanted to know about yeah, maybe, it? Uh, yeah, maybe uh, its role in uh, the role it plays in people's lives. Um, so the emotional body, as is pretty obvious from the name, um, is the place where your feelings and emotions are housed, where they, where they live. Your emotional body, in essence, is the body that allows you to perceive this world, as well as respond to this world and everything that you're seeing in it, all the circumstances, events, and people. Um, it is also your internal guidance system or your internal compass. Um, it was actually, so it, it serves multiple purposes, but one uh, purpose that um, perhaps is lesser explored by humanity is, you know, the emotional body as your internal guidance system, you know, so it's, it's like your navigation. Um, and if you know how to work it, if you know how it works, mm-hmm. um, you would be able to always point to your true north, right? Always uh, be on the path or know and be aware as soon as you are off the path as far as the incarnation is concerned, as far as your you know intention for when you incarnated and what place in a particular body. Um, all of that is the emotional body. It is also, you know, a collection, if you will, of all the feelings and emotions that um, you have inherited or chose to inherit from your ancestors, um, as well as the emotions from your past lives that were very strong emotions. Obviously, we don't carry everything over from our past lives because, you know, when you die, your emotional and mental bodies, as well as your physical and your um, energetic, they disintegrate. Uh, but there are aspects um, that a soul holds on to aspects of the emotional and mental bodies that you know a soul would transport transport from one incarnation to the other. Um, that is kind of like roughly what it is in the nutshell. Uh, but ultimately, it is a body that allows you to perceive the world and everything that is. Mm-hmm. It is also the body that governs your relationship and understanding of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as individuals and groups of people. 
Um, so people with very well-defined emotional bodies are, you know, very comfortable in bigger crowds or if they're not, you know, maybe not comfortable, but they, you know, they're able to perceive the energy of a mass of people as well as they're able to connect individually very well on an emotional level, be able to empathize um, and understand where the other is coming from. Um, you in, in, in your realm have a term emotional intelligence or EQ, um, which basically denotes people who are, you know, in tune with perhaps their emotions and, and the emotions of people around them. What that means is on the emotional, their emotional bodies are actually very well developed and they have a wide range of emotions that they themselves possess and recognize in others. So it makes it very easy for them to relate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mo- emotional body uh, is something that you develop over time through the various experiences that you have across multiple incarnations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, developed emotional bodies have a full range of emotions that range from what you would perceive to be negative, such as grief and apathy, potentially, down to the very positive, such as joy and euphoria and everything in between. Mm -hmm. Uh, People with less developed emotional bodies would tend to have a more limited range of emotions, so they might not go up as high or down as low. Mm -hmm. Um, You know... There, there's a lot that could be said about the emotional body. Like it really depends on which way you want to go. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, if we could maybe have a list of uh, ten main functions of the emotional body. You already said that it's navigation, right, and how you communicate with people. Uh, for for me, navigation in the world is something new. I've never heard about this one. Oh, I see what you mean. Maybe let, let me dive deeper into that concept. Yeah. So a lot of you spend your life trying to get to a particular emotional state. Um, it is almost like the unattainable. Um, it seems like everybody's trying to achieve happiness. Absolutely. That's exactly where I was going. You guys define it uh, as happiness. Nobody really truly knows what it means, but you spend your whole life trying to be more happy and less unhappy, right? So you are on a pursuit of happiness and there's no no magic pill that tells you exactly how to get there, right? Yeah. Uh, there are some people that feel naturally happier and then there, there are some people that, you know, have acute states of depression, which is the absolute opposite of where they're trying to be. But you could say that your lives are... Um, all serving this one God, which is I'm, I'm trying to get to the happy state. Mm-hmm. Um, your emotions are at any given point in time, because it is your navigation. It's, it's like your internal dashboard. Like if you were driving in a car, you know, um, your emotions are measuring your speed, you know, um, they're measuring how much fuel you have left, like all like that whole dashboard, like really the, your navigation system, as well as the map. Uh, when you come into the body, you know what your intention is for that incarnation. And then you forget, of course, because prior to coming into the body and the, the veil of forgetfulness 
uh, you know, descending upon you. You know exactly what you intend to accomplish. You know exactly the kinds of experiences you strive to have. You know exactly what kind of relationships you want to have or not want to have. So it's a very scripted and very well guided type of experience. Um, so truly what your emotions are there to tell you at any given point in time because this dimension is designed to forget everything completely um they are that navigation that would tell you at even given any given point in time are you pointing to your true north are you on the path or off the path so if you tend to be feeling very upbeat uh and joyful and um generally good i guess more often than not that is generally a signifier and a sign that you are on the path now you might still be going through struggle you know you might still be going through tough times and yet be happy for instance you see a lot of families that you know are poor for instance but they experience high uh, levels of happiness and then sometimes you have people that are very rich and they're super unhappy, right? Mm-hmm. So there are certain things that you and society are taught to equate to happiness. So there is a myth, for instance, that money makes you happy or fame makes you happy. Um, uh, and, and there are a bunch of other things like kind of being, um, hitting certain milestones should make you happy in life like getting married at a certain age, staying married instead of divorcing should should make you happy, having children, etc., etc. However, because each soul coming into this incarnation has a very different purpose. Some souls are actually never meant to marry. They never intended that. They never intended to have children. You know, some souls never intended to get famous or never intended to get rich. Mm-hmm. They've actually intended to live a life of poverty, for instance, because that is the greatest learning for them. You know, whatever they intended for themselves, um, being on that track is actually going to make you feel happier, better, and more fulfilled than being off the path. Makes sense. So what your emotions are there to do is show you where you are in the relation to your own intention or the intention of your higher self. If you're off the path, there is very little you can do to feel better constantly other than getting on the path. Hmm. Got it. However, mm-hmm. right? However, and that is where we're going to dive into what the problem is or one of the problems with this, with this dimension is, of course, people don't know that their emotions is a guidance system. Yeah. So what that means is they spend their whole lives trying to avoid their emotions. That's why they created antidepressants. That's why they created drugs. That's why they created alcohol, even um, nicotine, right? Like all of that uh, is an avoidance system uh, to try to not stay with that emotion, to try to fool yourself that you're not feeling that emotion. So it is a system of looking at your navigation dashboard or your map that shows you that you are not where you need to be in life and silencing every notification that you're getting 
right? And, mm-hmm. and pretending that you never got the message, never received the message. Instead of finally getting the message, diving into that feeling and course correcting. Because your emotions are there to help you course correct in the right way. That is precisely what that guidance system is trying to get you to do. Now, you also have people, uh, it's super frustrating, you have those people that don't know what it is that they want in life. Um, you know, you, you kind of have two camps, right? Like the ones that, you know, kind of like have this idea at least of like what they think they're, they want in life. Like I want to be a doctor or I want to have six children, what have you, right? And then that, that ultimately might not make them happy. <laughs> because it could be a false idea that they adopted from society and not something that they truly, really wanted as their higher self. Or from parents. Or from, yeah, society or familial lineages, all of that. Yeah, we, we can dive deeper into that uh, when we talk about um, emotional trauma that's being trapped. But then they're in, in, in your uh, emotional body. But uh, basically, then you have people that don't know where to go. Um, and this is like a very particular type of ailment, right? Which is when uh, your navigation system is kind of broken a little bit. And the reason it's broken and generally it tends to, uh, it, it tends to be a self-imposed uh, disease or a self-imposed condition. Uh, we don't have to go as far as disease. It's generally what ends up happening for people that don't know what they want is... Um, it's a response to some kind of trauma, generally from this particular incarnation, where they were experiencing an emotion they, that they didn't want to experience, generally in childhood. It could be a whole range of emotions from, emotions from fear to abandonment to not feeling enough to uh, betrayal. It, it can be so many different things. Not feeling loved is a common one. But basically, they experience an emotion to such an extent that it overloads their emotional body. They're not able to handle it. They're not willing to feel it to the extent that it needs to be felt in the moment. So it kind of like almost like overheats their navigation system and and, and breaks it a little bit because they're not willing to go to the depth of emotion. They single-handedly and subconsciously limit uh, their emotional range because they limit the emotional range they might get stuck in a particular aspect of that emotional range so it's almost like you have a spectrum of zero to ten for instance say that that's the spectrum of all human emotion but these people got stuck in in a sector between six and seven and that's the only thing that they can experience it's because they suppressed yeah it's because they suppressed a strong emotion they didn't want to feel it and so they get stuck in a sector that felt safe. So when, uh, what ends up happening for them is they course through life, kind of like they; those tend to be the people that don't actually make uh, a lot of. They don't take a lot of risks. If you see, uh, if you look at them, they're kind of like really trotting very carefully. What ends up happening is emotionally, they're actually also quite quote unquote stable. Emotionally stable people are the scariest people. Uh, because they, what they don't realize is they, is they get stuck in, in a particular range of emotions in a particular sector, and they have a blind spot towards everything else. The, re- the reason I said it's dangerous is because um, they're so stuck and their navigation system is so broken 
that they know that sector between six and seven doesn't make them happy, but they don't really know what's going to make them happy because their navigation system was so broken and by being so limited that they don't even know how to get out of there. So they would never take big risks and most likely they would stay in that sector between six and seven. Hmm. Um, for where, where in fact what you, they should be doing is taking bold moves, learning new things, getting out of their comfort zone, etc. Um, yeah. So and what is the main reason that stops them? Is it fear? Well, it's uh, a decision to never have to experience a negative strong emotion ever again. Is it like a fear to experience this emotion again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they need to lock themselves up or lock themselves down within a particular safe emotional range. Mm. So for instance, for those types of people, like when I say like between sector six and seven, like what you might see is like there are some people that get in get locked into the indifference spectrum. Mm -hmm. If you're in the indifference spectrum or close to the indifference spectrum, you don't have any highs, you don't have any lows. Some people would get locked up into the melancholy spectrum hmm. whether well, you know slightly melancholic all the time <laughs> never truly fully happy but not like fully unhappy either uh or like another dangerous place to get locked down is that depression state uh it's really hard to get out of but like the key to healing your emotions is allowing yourself to experience them fully like really diving deep and um i think when you asked me what is the emotional body? Um, I think that on an energetic level, a really, really good analogy would be to imagine a body of water. But imagine a sphere, right? Like a sphere of water. Uh, emotional body is very connected to the element of water, um, the energy of that element. Um, so... You know, when you start thinking and relating to your emotional body as a body of water, that is your personal body of water, that is everything that you are and your emotional truth, the truth of your perception of yourself and other people and circumstances and events um, and your day-to-day -day lives and, um, you know, all of your aspirations and dreams, um, you can start unlocking certain things about how to deal with that body that can be quite helpful. So... A healthy emotional body looks like um, it's like calm waters, right? Um, and at the same time, it has this like little rainbowy type of um, feel to to it. The water does, meaning like that water is not necessarily transparent. It actually contains all the colors of the rainbow. Perhaps not their full, you know, full-on bright hues, but um, if you're trying to imagine this right now, think of, you know, on the road where the cars are driving. You know, if there is the rain, sometimes like the puddles get covered with this like rainbowy type of um, coating. Um, that's where oil is mixing with water, and the cranes is like creates this like optical illusion type of like rainbowy effect so your healthy emotional body would look like a water with that thin covering of oil on top of it so meaning like it would contain the full spectrum of the rainbow in it 
but it is also a very free floating body, right? And it is a liquid state of water that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, emotional trauma uh, would generally manifest itself as a condensed type of energy that is. I would I would probably describe it more as a frozen state. So imagine there's like a little icicle floating in your water, or like a little. Mm, like snowball and it's like a cover it it, is covered with a particular frequency Hmm. could be green or red or black or gray or brown or what have you right so that is like an emotional cluster that you didn't work through or it is something that you know it's basically like (laughs) a point that you, you you would need to work through like it's um that condensed point of energy that doesn't allow the free flow of um, the free flow of energy. So it's like a clot, like a blood clot. Mm-hmm. Um, and in in three D, uh, most people's emotional bodies are actually a lot less liquid than you think, and they're a lot more like either fully frozen or they have a lot of these like clots. Right, almost to a point where you can barely see the liquid through, mm-hmm. um, and that makes them truly stuck in certain emotional states and feeling like they cannot get out. Mm-hmm. Right, because the way that your emotional body is supposed to work is, like I said, being that navigation system, but only causing you temporary discomfort so that you can adjust. Right. Mm -hmm. So the intention of that emotion that you're feeling is not to forever make you feel unhappy, but to temporarily make you feel uncomfortable enough that you need to make change. So it's like a pain in your physical body. Uh, It only manifests as pain in your physical body if it has been persistent enough. Emotions, because of the water quality, uh, if you look at water, especially the bodies of water, they're not uh, like the natural bodies of water, like rivers and ponds. Um, more often than not, they're not stagnant, right? They're like dynamic. They can they even say that you cannot enter in the same water twice or the same river or whatever, because it's, you know, you're not the same you and it's not the same river. Like it's the world's moved on. Is because the water structure is very dynamic. It's very flowy. It doesn't stay still. Mm-hmm. So the only so for if if the emotional body is working properly, you're going to experience a gradual shift of emotions, uh, you know, from one hour to the next. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it's actually normal to experience fluctuations, not crazy fluctuations. Like you shouldn't be going from euphoria to exceptional grief within hours. Unless something happened to, you know, enable that type of feeling. Like generally, the 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 waves and the range that you would be going on a daily basis, there are you know there are similar type emotions, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, um, like it should be a free flowing state. The emotions should come easily and go easily, like water. Like imagine like um, the tide, in and out, in and out, right? Um, but why would they change that often? Because that's a flow of water. Mm-hmm. So it's okay if you feel bad. 
it's not okay if you feel bad. If you feel bad, you have to listen to your navigate. Well, let me take that back. There is no emotion that's not okay to feel. Mm-hmm. Every emotion is perfectly helpful to you. It's just every emotion that you get signifies whether you are at the moment on track or off track. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. By how it feels. Feels good, you're on track. Doesn't feel good, you're off track. Mm-hmm. Momentarily. Yeah. So because the emotional body is actually responsible for what you guys call the law of attraction. I am what I attract and I attract what I am. So, for instance, if you're attracting certain people, circumstances, and events, it's because they are vibrating on the frequency of your emotional body. Very often, the way you would make friends and single out certain people in the crowd is because they have an emotional body that is a similar frequency to yours. So if you tend to be a joyful person, you're very much more likely to be friends with another joyful person as opposed to with a person that's pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Much more likely. Because like attracts like, right? Yeah. And um, it is very much alive and present in your emotional body. Bad emotions are not bad. <laughs> In fact, bad emotions are amazing. How else would you know that you're off track? And that is precisely the problem. Not recognizing that a bad emotion is a great gift and suppressing it with substances and alcohol and, you know, just suppressing it, not wanting to deal. Like sometimes people suppress their emotions by distracting themselves. One easy way to distract yourself is be on technology. Jump on that phone. Put on that Netflix show. You are starting to notice that very, very easily in social interactions, in bars and in parties. You see a lot of people on the phone. Why? They're trying to distract themselves from the emotions that they're feeling in the crowd. Being surrounded by a lot of people, stressful for a lot of people. The reason being is because they're not fully in tune with their emotional bodies. So their navigation system was broken. So they don't quite know which corner of the room they should go to to meet the like-minded person it's like being being in the dark like driving in the dark you know without any signs you're like oh i don't know so a lot of them like keep poking around and like not finding what they're looking for not finding uh what would make them quote-unquote happy so one way to escape is to distract yourself because if you can distract yourself from feeling that emotion in the moment, that emotion is as good as gone, and it wasn't real in the first place. Like, look, it's gone. It wasn't real. Yeah. And that's how people are missing out on so much guidance to try to change their life and put it in, on, on track and on the correct course. I see, but are there any things that can affect uh, your emotions that like from the outside well of course Uh, and what are these things but the outside in, in other words the outside is the reason why you're feeling certain emotions interesting is it like the way of the universe showing you that you're off track Kind of, yes. By using like different things outside. 
because I've heard that the moon can influence your emotions. And yeah, um, absolutely, and it does. Yeah. So, what role does it play in in your positive and negative emotions? And um, like, if it's the moon that affects your emotions, uh, how can can it like mess up your navigation system? It it does every month. And how? Yeah. Can you please tell how and uh, how you can recognize and uh, like. Uh, be sure that this time this is not your navigation system this is the moon for example or something else okay uh you've asked like many questions all at once so let, like let me try to maybe respond to them all in one go where are you, the first question was how are you getting your emotions and where are you getting your emotions i think i could do a better job responding to that mm-hmm. so it's the answer is multifaceted it's not just one place where you're getting your emotions from um we are born into an emotional body that is a construct of two things um your past life emotions that your soul energy carried into that body and the past trauma of your ancestors emotional trauma very often they say cancer runs in the family or hemophilia runs in the family all of those quote-unquote genetic diseases is not just dna in fact mostly It's emotions and belief systems that are causing that. So things stuck in the familial emotional body of your ancestors and the familial mental body of your ancestors. One responsible for the common emotion that your family is feeling, the other responsible for the common belief system um, your family subscribes to. Both can create and manifest disease in the physical body. Is it like when you uh, burn, you already have the snowballs in your uh, emotional yes line, absolutely or it's like a kind of cord that goes back to your ancestry line it, it's a little bit of both it's not a cord really you kind of like just inherit certain cloths so when the body gets formed right the energy has to be borrowed mm-hmm. from somewhere right from from the earthly plane Um, so it's borrowed from your ancestors when forming your emotional body. And it's also borrowed from your higher self. Mm-hmm. So from two places. So the fuse of those energies would help co-create the emotional body, right? Yeah. So very often, very often, for instance, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with like with a good example. For instance, say that the emotion that runs in your family is an unhappy marriage. Or rather than happy marriage is the circumstance, but what it creates is an emotion that your husband or wife doesn't understand you or doesn't love you or they're just like the wrong person for you. And you might actually marry, uh, you know, So and, and then what you would see, and that actually runs in the family, you either have like a, a familial tree of quote-unquote happy marriages or sometimes you have families where like pretty much everybody is divorced. And you just like don't have anybody like living with their husband or wife till old age. And part of the reason for that, you know, there may, there may, there can be so many reasons, but like one of the reasons could be an emotional trauma that that generational tree has. And it, for instance, if you're a woman, you could always feel like, say like the mother and the grandma and the great grandma and then the daughter all feel like very alone and on their own in the marriage, which leads them, for instance, to cheat like look for that comfort elsewhere and then 
cheating, for instance, would create a loop of guilt. Guilt could be another like emotional clot in their bodies. And so it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like it always starts like first starts with feeling lonely, then starts with, uh, then goes into cheating. The cheating creates the guilt. And then the guilt basically ruins the marriage because you cannot like normally relate anymore. And then sometimes you would just have those like loops over and over again. Um, I've actually, um, you know, oh, there are families, not, not very frequent, but where women tend to lose their husbands really early on in life. Mm -hmm. Like they tend to massively outlive their husbands. It's because part of that, you know, so there, there are multiple energies that can manifest that being clingy and needy is one of the energies that would manifest the universe to like, take that away from you. So you can finally like learn to stand on your own two feet. So like, right. That is one place that emotions come from. Mm -hmm. Very important. That's why sometimes you're like, they just take over. Like sometimes an emotion just takes you over. If it like runs multiple generations, it's very hard for you in the moment to be able to resist it. Yeah. Because it's like the power of your emotion, emotion compounded 10,000 times. Yeah. Right. As Mm -hmm. many times as our generations when that original clot or icicle was created. Mm -hmm. So one, purely inherited. Two, emotions are always, not always, often driven by thought, thought forms, right? Mm -hmm. So your mental body is, you know, vibrating at a certain frequency, catching thoughts, so to say. Um, A thought generally has a, a particular vibration that is equivalent to a particular feeling. So by having a thought you could automatically have an emotion. For instance, the thought, I'm fat, cannot produce euphoria in a human. The thought, I'm fat, would generally produce a negative type emotion. The thought, I'm unloved, cannot produce a positive feeling in a human. Do you see what I mean? There is like a link between a thought and an emotion on the Mm -hmm. other side. Yeah. Another way to get an emotion is respond to a particular stimuli in the uh, in the outside world, right? Yeah. So sometimes the thoughts that you get are really seemingly not related to what's happening in the outside world. Like you might wake up, it might be a bright, beautiful day, super sunny. You just got your paycheck, life is good. You still might might feel like really down for no reason, mm-hmm. right? So that no reason, quote unquote, is generally you're responding to a particular thought that just emerged in your head. Um, Sometimes it is a response to a particular stimuli in your external environment. I don't know. You watch the news. You saw a a car crash or an airplane crash. Sends you on, you know, like a very uncomfortable emotional loop. That generally still starts with a thought. But if we were to look at the core crux and what is that original like, what does this whole loop originate? It would be a circumstance. Mm-hmm. Oh, you watch a horror movie. Absolutely. Or you've had a conversation with your boss where you got a negative review or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an external circumstance that seemingly had nothing to do with you. Of course, we know everything always has to do with you and that you've attracted that. But, you know, it would create a particular feeling. By the way, 
If you're on your own personal track, I bet you, you wouldn't be attracting negative reviews from your boss that are sending you on a very unhappy loop. Got it. So it's just the universe's way to remind you that you are off track. Yes. Now, uh, going back to your original question, because you're like, what else influences your emotions? The planets absolutely do. And in fact, not just the planet, but when I said like external circumstances, people and events, you know, nature could absolutely influence your mood uh, or like uh, the, the environment, should I say, not nature, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in the city, you're more prone to feeling certain kinds of emotions. Oh, you know how they tell Mercury retrograde. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get to astrology in a second, but um, let, let's take it a step maybe down like in terms of like the micro level instead of macro for now right like Mm -hmm. um cities for instance are clusters for all kinds of emotions um you know cities for instance incentivize uh, aggression not incentivize uh, accentuate aggression Hmm. uh, competitiveness uh that idea of like resources are limited um they can heighten stress um they can heighten um the survival instincts right of course you know cities also um you know have some positive aspects associated with them for instance like um the excitement tends to be high in cities opportunity yeah like that energy and drive and you know like success and sometimes even abundance right depending on how you think about abundance like there are multiple energies that um you know uh, like emotional states that are for instance like your emotions could be driven by your surroundings very much so mm-hmm. or for instance if you are in the mountains you know generally people uh perceive senses of like feeling expansive right um you know, they feel like they can breathe easier. You know, they don't feel as much pressure. They get perspective. You know, it's all emotional states. Mm-hmm. Right? So we are influenced by large bodies of water, rock, any formations, minerals, you know. So you might be living, um, you know, um, uh, your house might be on top of, um it could be right or you know deep in the in the earth there could be a particular mineral now that mineral would be impacting your mood and you wouldn't even know mood equals emotions right Mm -hmm. um absolutely astrology Hmm. i mean just because of how big the the planets are compared to your personal body as a human right they have a lot more gravity uh, and more, a lot more intention to them. You know, every planet has a consciousness in the way, in the same way that planet Earth has a consciousness. Every planet has a consciousness. Mm-hmm. Or if they don't truly have a consciousness, they have like an energetic form, almost like an egregore, right? Mm-hmm. If it's an artificially created planet, right? And then if, even if a planet is created artificially, sometimes... Uh, you would have like a walk-in of sorts, like where there is a spirit that chooses to inherit that planet. 
Um, so that being said, every planet has its own emotional body. Every planet has its own emotional range. Um, and depending on the proximity of that planet to you, and also how your emotional body relates to the emotional body of that planet, it could either be your ally or, I mean, I wouldn't want to call it your rival, but uh, let's just say you're not the best, the best of friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yes, you mentioned Mercury retrograde. Mercury is definitely one of the planets that impacts our emotional body. Uh, the moon probably impacts our emotional body the most because it governs all the water movements on planet Earth, for better or worse. Um, so basically... The one thing that would tend to break your navigation system is the moon. Hmm. So because the moon has states, right? And we know it has a cycle of about 28 days. um, It has the new moon and the the full moon spectrum, right? And you're supposed to feel very inspired and very, you know, hopeful when the moon is new like new beginnings new everything and you're supposed to feel like like heightened states of uh, everything like all of your emotions are going to be at their highest when it's the full moon and generally what comes out full circle from the full moon is not necessarily the most positive emotion so people tend to be irritable people tend to be aggressive you know people tend to instigate um they you know if you're Unfortunately, if you're, you know, if you're in a marriage and if you're considering cheating, that tend to happen on a full moon. Murders tend to happen on the full moon. All kinds of crimes on a full moon. Um, quarrels, fights, full moon. So, you know, if you haven't noticed that your own emotions, whether you're a man or a woman, and I know that this, this planet and, and this, um, you know, in, in your world, the moon is considered to be a feminine planet and emotions and factually are considered to be a very feminine thing. And intellect is very masculine. Um, I will tell you that the moon governs the emotions of both genders. No questions asked. And if you haven't not noticed that there is a correlation between the phase of the moon and how on, you know, how wild your emotions are or how much they're trying to overtake your intellect, you haven't been paying attention. I strongly suggest that you do. I guarantee you that if you were to keep an emotional diary and note the days when your emotions didn't feel characteristic of you, say like you're generally like a very calm, cool, calm and collective person. And then sometimes you're just like very irritable and you want to, you know, start killing people. Yeah. Probably full moon. <laughs> um, so if you were to keep track, you'd probably be able to trace back your you know, the days that were like too emotional, didn't feel like good um, to a certain phase of the moon. Um, unfortunately, because the moon governs the emotions, it governs the emotions of all people on, on the planet, which means that at the, same ta- at the same time, all of the navigations for all of the people are going to be broken in somewhat similar ways. So for you, you know, what you don't want to do is mistake those in the moment feelings that are governed by the moon for your true guidance system because it is not one and the same yeah mm-hmm. how do you navigate uh, given that you know this information 
Well, I would definitely pet... Uh, the moon is strongest in its new state and its full moon. Well, strong, strongest in terms of diff- different type of strong. Mm-hmm. But let's just say it certainly impacts humanity the most in these two states. So you can just... And generally, it's three days for each, like roughly. Yeah. Right. You can have these three-day periods for the new moon and the full moon. I wouldn't trust your emotions on those six days in a month. It's it's just like you know. Uh, sometimes when the weather like is really inopportune and it's like a storm and a tornado, you probably don't want to go driving mm-hmm. and trying to navigate in, in that madness. I wouldn't recommend those six days for navigating. Um, and you know, for instance, like if there are like during these six days, three, you know, um, three and three, if you're feeling off, don't make life changing decisions during those times. Um, because I don't want to get into how, how this world is controlled, but, um, you know, there is a reason why, why this game was designed in this way. And then there is a reason why it's rigged in certain ways. So if you're looking for your true north, don't react to things like that affect the whole planet mm-hmm. in making your own personal decisions with what's right for you. Is there a way you can uh, calm down or like can you practice during the full moon and the new moon? Like when you feel pain or like, not pain, of course, but you feel bad or... Like negative emotions are overwhelming. Yes. So. Um, you still have to go to work. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, every full moon cycle, for instance, is different. Um, you know, it, it, it could be a heightened emotion of a different frequency slightly. It's, you know, uh, it's not that every full moon you're going to feel aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be one when you feel very aggressive, the other when you just feel very uh, emotionally sad. The next full moon, you might feel like very like inspired in a like my way or the highway way, mm-hmm. right? So it it would manifest very differently. So I would recommend um, for for the full moon phase when you're meditating. To first get really, really clear around what is the energy that is being transmitted from the moon to the earth, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically, how does it make me feel? So if you look at the water uh, of your beautiful um, emotional body, that water, like the molecules in the water are going to organize themselves in a very particular way when influenced by the moon, especially the full moon. Sometimes you might feel that they're like a little tense, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that water is like very tense Yeah. or sometimes it's actually very rigid uh, or sometimes it's like very impatient. Like you actually get a sense of like what that water feels like. So you want to take control of your emotional body by releasing that frequency. And if it, you know, if it's necessary, almost going down to the cell level of that water and breathe, taking very deep breaths in and out and letting go of all the tension. So you want to get your water into that free floating state. 
sometimes the water is frozen. Sometimes the way that the moon affects it is like it'll go in freeze mode. And that is that that stress that 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 you know if you just feel like tense and stressed not not a very healthy state at all you want to get your water in the most free floating state another thing that you want to watch with the moon and in general with your emotions is sometimes there's going to be a color that's dominating uh your waters and um when one color is dominating could be a good thing or a bad thing depending on the color uh, but if it's a color that's not serving you, right, doesn't feel good, um, that emotion, I recommend you actually cleanse your personal water stream with a rainbow energy, right? You want to get unstuck. And the way you get unstuck is by having a torrent like an incoming torrent that is a much more healthy energy remember for the emotional body the rainbow is the most healthy state when it's too much of one color for a very very long time not the healthiest that actually implies rigidity and the absence of flexibility water should always be flexible Water should always be able to bend left or right depending on the circumstances water should be able to take in any kind of external circumstance and transcend it and transmute it mm-hmm. right yeah uh, that is the true purpose of water is like come what may i'm water right so you want to you know what you can do is you can pour a beautiful stream of rainbow water all over your all, all over your emotional body and you know with time you know 10 15 minutes later you want to see that um, rainbow water displace the old water that was there. Mm-hmm. Now, can you fully, fully fight the impact of the moon? No. And maybe you don't have to. It's just really understanding how the moon affects you, just the awareness itself, bringing the awareness into, the, um, you know, into your consciousness, knowing that what you might be feeling in that moment is not necessarily coming from you of your internal from your internal guidance system and just being patient with yourself during those moments and being patient with others because in the same way you might not be having a, a good day somebody else is not probably having their top day either mm-hmm. right and it's one of those two energies come together is when conflict arises but if you come from a place of compassion patience and understanding for yourself your own emotional state and that of the other being most of the conflict can be avoided and dissolved Mm -hmm. so basically uh, emotions help us to navigate and understand whether we on the path or not on the path correct Uh, but also there are some um, objects or like entities or like whatever can influence the uh your emotional state and and people and people yeah and uh like in order to navigate between all like this different influences uh for example if it's a moon and you feel bad all of a sudden you just have to check if it's uh, like a full moon or a new moon right and uh be like be aware right yeah so the, the key is to be aware. Well, the key is to be aware and understand that 
um, because an emotion, especially an external emotion, is like a torrent. You know, if you are uh, on the, if you're sitting on the seashore, you know that that wave is gonna come and then it's gonna go. Yeah. So just understanding that it's gonna go, like that it's temporary and this too shall pass, and it's not necessarily a reflection of where you are in life. Mm-hmm. Just that knowing would help you be with the emotion, as opposed to try and suppress and deny it. Got it. And uh, I want to talk to you about the like these negative emotions uh, uh, that come from the childhood. Yeah. Right? So how do you work with them, and especially if it's uh, on the subconscious uh, level? Um, for people, it's really hard to like dig really hard to dig in and uh, find the reason right are there any practices or like any advice how you can work with uh, negative emotions from the childhood well the only way to the only way to transcend a negative emotion is instead of avoiding it Mm -hmm. going right through it right into it like diving deep Hmm. because all emotional trauma is actually avoidance or it results in you know avoidance like there is first a very very strong emotion then it gets compartmentalized into a clot and stored away for later Hmm. when it's stored away for later you know what it can and will do very often is manifest on the physical because a clot, by definition, is something that water cannot float freely through. And it's meant to. Again, I'm going back to that premise that your emotional body is meant to be very fluid, very liquid, very accommodating. Uh-huh. All of these clots are preventing that original state from being and happening. Yeah. Right? So it is preventing the flow of energy in the way that uh, was intended. So it'll manifest in the physical body. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you could just give us an example. Well, let's say you have some kind of fear or worry, uh, like some strong negative emotion. So how would you like overcome it or integrate it? So it doesn't bother you anymore. Um... So generally, I'm pretty sure you've heard of parts work, right? Like when people are, are, are doing the healing, imagining that that particular pain or that particular emotion is a part of themselves. Yes. The reason it feels like a part of yourself and not you is because you have compartmentalized that and stored it away saying, actually, you're not me and I'm not you and you're this completely separate being away from me. So you're like this little like sphere within a sphere, but I don't necessarily relate to you. Neither do I want to hear back from you, right? So in essence, you're creating a division within your own emotional body. For you to turn that into unity, right? And again, unity feels like a water filled with a rainbow. Because the rainbow contains pretty much every color imaginable, The rainbow contains the negative as well as the positive. So the rainbow, for instance, has the red spectrum. And the red spectrum has the shadow side and the the light side. 
The shadow side of the red spectrum is aggression and fear, actually, right? So when your emotion of fear is stuck in your body in a solid state, which is what a cloth, sorry, what a clot is, it's a, it's a solid state instead of a liquid state. Um, that particular frequency of red, whether that's fear or however that's, you know, whatever emotion you decided to store, you know, when you get faced with that emotion one more time in your life, right? Normally it would flow freely because, you know, there's no judgment in the emotional body. It'll accept fear just as well as it accepts passion, right? Mm -hmm. And whereas the normal flow would have been accepting that wave and then letting it go, and then it's gone and it's gone. That's it. You know, like emotion doesn't need to be stuck in your body. The correct way for it is to come and go. So you've encapsulated it. That means you said, actually, in essence, let me hold on to it. So by you not wanting to deal with it, in fact, you choose to hold on to it. So next time, when there is an external stimuli that's causing you fear, ends up happening, that emotion cannot gets trapped even more in your body Hmm. because it can flow in and out because you created a solid state. So that particular frequency is in a solid state in your body instead of a liquid. So every time there is an external circumstance, it's like a layer of cells that uh, is added to the original clot and another layer and another layer. So the more, the more you're faced with the same kind of emotion, it's just like a little entity that just keeps growing and growing and growing. How do you deal with it? You would need to dive deep and think of every instance that made you feel, or ideally you try to think of the very first instance, which might be complicated for, for some because the first instance might, might have been familial 40 generations ago or um, in your past life that you don't even know how to remember. It is okay. If you have a very big clot around fear, it probably has already manifested in this lifetime guaranteed if it's big enough it would have and probably many times Mm -hmm. so you want to go to an instance that created a very big emotion of fear in you and you almost want to feel you know what that clot feels like in in your body what color it is how heavy it is and then like literally dive inside you would want to dive inside into the solid structure. And one way to, to make something that's solid into a liquid, right? And in general with water, if you're trying to turn a solid like ice into a liquid state, you want to heat it up, right? So you can start by diving into that emotion and allowing, instead of running away and compartmentalizing it for later, just allowing it yourself to start feeling it. Like saying, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to feel that emotion. I probably came here to feel it. It doesn't mean I'm going to feel it forever. But at least now I'm going to expand my personal emotional range to include this emotion. Instead of denying that I can have it. Or denying the right for me to have it. And you want to, from the space of within this emotion... You know, feel how it's truly affecting you. Go back to the incident 
where you really, really felt it deeply, that negative emotion. And then you want to create like a little sun inside of the solid sphere, almost like the inner sun. Mm -hmm. And you want to allow that to warm the molecules inside of this emotion in a way that turns the solid water into liquid water. And what you would notice is that as you grow that inner sun while being in this emotion, while being just present with it, not necessarily associating yourself with this emotion or disassociating yourself from this emotion, what you would notice is that once the sun grows enough and warms this um, clot enough, eventually the outer membrane of the clot just breaks down because all it is is water. Mm-hmm. And this spot that might have been red, right, because we're talking about fear, that spot just gets integrated into the rest of the body of water by rejoining the rainbow. All of a sudden, that emotion is just part of your spectrum. And it is not your guardian. And it is not your hostage. And it is not something that your life has to revolve around. It is something that you're comfortable with experiencing again. Mm-hmm. But you're not necessarily calling it into existence in your life by keeping it in the solid state. Because the solid state is kind of like, it's like a state of, like, hey, pay attention to me. Hey, pay attention to me. Hey, I'm solid. I'm supposed to be liquid. Can you pay attention to me? Mm-hmm. And literally, because it wants you to pay attention, it'll put and attract things in your life so that you pay attention, which means actually, before you fully dive into that emotion, you're going to keep going through that back to it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And once you transcend it, you might never have to go back there ever. Hmm, that's cool. So by diving in, by facing it fully, by accepting it as a part of yourself, by stopping to blame yourself for even feeling that in the first place, or blaming a person or a circumstance that made you feel that, you embrace all of it as water would. Hmm. And uh, is there a way uh, how you can expand the range of emotions that you experience. Uh, Because in many cases, like for me personally, uh, because you mentioned that men like don't experience as many emotions as women, it's a belief, right? It's a wrong belief. Uh, And then how can you start experiencing new emotions? I didn't say the men don't experience emotions. Um, What I said is that in this society, we don't associate men with emotions. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys don't, right? So in, in, in your society, it is kind of, quote-unquote, okay for women to be emotional, yeah. but not okay for men to be emotional. It's okay for a girl to cry, but not okay for a guy to cry, huh. etc. right? By the way, it's not to say that men don't experience a range of emotions. Because they do. They were designed to. If men were not designed to experience emotions, they wouldn't have an emotional body. Do they experience the same range of emotions as women? Is there a difference between how men and women experience emotions? Um, The answer is yes and no. The reason it is yes and no is because men are designed 
to experience the same range of emotional frequencies as women. There is not really much of a difference between the, um, the anatomy of the male emotional body versus the female emotional body. In fact, I couldn't tell the difference. However, when I said the answer is partially yes, is particularly for this planet, the answer is men experience uh, way less emotions than women do. Because what is considered to be okay in the collective of humanity for men emotionally is very different from women. Um, and so the range of emotions for men, when, men and women on this planet is different. But it is not because your bodies are designed that way. It is more so a collective belief system of what is okay and not okay. So a lot of men would suppress certain kinds of emotions. Um, emotions like actually empathy and sympathy. What you're able to see very often in business, right? Men would act very decisive and they would do certain things that like a woman in a position of power wouldn't do which is because actually on this planet, it is okay for men to not experience empathy. It is a collective belief that a man does not need to be empathetic. They don't need to feel the pain of others. It's kind of up to the women to do that. At the same time, and, and thankfully that's being changed at the moment, is the range of emotions that some men are feeling on a day-to-day -day basis are very hard to access by women. One of those emotions is empowerment. Uh, it's, you know, on, on this planetary scale, on this planetary level, the motion of empowerment, feeling in control and being able to make decisions, um, that feel true to who you are has been the prerogative for men over the years and women just had to comply. So women actually, and men on this planet are going through the expansion of that range of their emotional bodies. So what's happening on this planet right now, actually quite significantly for men, is their heart chakras are getting activated. Um, a lot of men don't lead from the place of a heart. They lead from the place of solar plexus, from the yellow center, which is a very egotistical, individualistic leadership style. It is my way or the highway style. It is... I'm going to act in my best interest, even though it might not be in the best interest of you or the planet or they. It is me versus them mentality. So it's not a win-win. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So men are starting to level up and get access to the range of emotions that's available in the green center, which is not to say that men are incapable of love. I would just want to say that that love is at the moment being manifested to a very small nucleus of people. Whereas a really well-functioning heart center is limitless. So men actually got, some men got very good at loving their family, you know, in their own way. It's still a very suppressed way to love someone, right? But they're they're capable of that emotion 
but it is not its let, let's just say that some of the aspects of the way men choose to love are the shadow aspects of the heart which is actually the jealousy the control the i said so and it's in your best interest for you to date, to do as i say type of love whereas the true higher dimensional love is complete freedom and complete acceptance right Mm. am i answering your question yeah okay yeah Yeah. so in other words men are capable of just the same range of emotions as women and on this planet there is so much room to keep expanding the emotional body for both genders so that they don't need to be stuck in one type of emotion and uh, let's say you are a person who wants to experience a wider range of emotions. Yep. And uh, you've never experienced them. Where do you start? Like this empowerment, for example, for women. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that first you would need to figure out what emotion you would want to explore, right? Because I think that the journey, you can go, go from zero to 100 in, in three seconds. Because expanding an emotional range could take generations. It'll it'll take thousands of years. Um, The reason you're even asking this question makes me um, infer that you're actually seeking a particular kind of emotion, right? Mm -hmm. So there's an animation in your body for a particular kind of emotion that you would like to experience more often that you either believe is not okay for you personally to experience or wasn't okay for your uh, ancestors, men in your familial line to experience, or maybe not acceptable or welcomed for masculinity on this planet to experience. And it is just one particular type of emotion that's speaking to you. In the same way that empowerment might speak to some women and might not speak to others. Mm -hmm. It is actually really, really... And by the way, I think that saying like the emotional range for this planet for men and women, it's it's such an overgeneralization uh, because depending on your familial ancestry and your own personal history as a soul, your range could be very different from the planetary range. So it is an individual journey much more than it is a collective journey. So if you're going in the direction of an emotion that you would like to experience that is not part of your range. Um, You would want to, and you see like it's a little bit hard to give just like one type of meditation for you because depending on how intuitive you are, you might already have the answer or you don't. So each each emotion actually has a color. So I could lead you if you told me what emotion you're seeking. I could tell you what color it is. Um, Or, because like first you're going to have to be, you know, basically what you need to do is integrate that color in your rainbow. That's the exercise. Hmm. Uh, So you could do like a little, um, exercise, if you will, right? By like looking at the colors of the rainbow and seeing which colors you have and which you don't, and which colors are more vibrant, which colors are less vibrant. Mm -hmm. And then 
what you would want to do is you would want to fill up the cup of the color that you're particularly missing. Like empowerment is actually a red emotion, uh, but it is a positive red and it is the opposite of fear. So fear and empowerment are two sides of the same coin for women. Mm-hmm. Women experience fear every day. Um, every time there is an emotional streak, right? You either experience the, the face value of that emotion or the backward value of that emotion. So if the frequency of empowerment versus fear, that axis is missing in your, or, or like is mis, mismanaged in your body, that means that you're not able to access empowerment, you're able to access fear. So you would want to examine that like a two-sided coin, flip it and feel what empowerment feels like. It's the same frequency of energy, only instead of being muddy with a gray tint, it's radiant with a white tint. Imagine if it's like a streak of red, instead of having, um, that's flowing into a vessel, instead of having red mixed with black, it's red mixed with white. Hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like emotionally how you, you want to differentiate the shadow as opposed to from the light aspect. Yeah. Ultimately, you still need, you need to see both. And I think in one of our past conversations, we've gone through the fact that to truly experience an emotion, it's easier to start with a shadow first to get to the light side. Yeah. Uh, easier, faster, quicker, all of those. Um, so you want to basically get present to the fact, what is the color of that emotion that you're, you're looking to experience? And you want to imagine a source, right, of all of emotions as a sphere and whatever emotions you don't have right now in your range you can borrow from that source and you know you want to uh, just have the energy from that source freely float into your rainbow giving you the color that you're missing whether that's a particular shade of blue or green or yellow or any in-between shade when I say a rainbow doesn't mean seven Seven is just a very rudimentary way of looking at the rainbow because colors like magenta, colors like turquoise, uh, aquamarine, colors like neon yellow are part of the rainbow, but you wouldn't think of them as being part of the rainbow because rainbow is the full spectrum of all the colors. Mm -hmm. Is that helpful? Yeah, it is very okay. helpful. Yeah, and uh, so you basically work with the colors and like the negative aspect because you probably experience the negative one yeah. in this world, right? Probably. <laughs> probably. You could be also not experiencing any. It's possible. Uh, sometimes you just don't go to a particular range. Like if you're stuck in between six and seven, you're not experiencing two, whether it's the shadow aspect of two well, the light aspect of two. You're just That's not experiencing two. True. Some people don't experience love or hate. Oh, how, what would you do in this case if you don't even know like, the shadow side? Where do you start? Well, it's the same thing, like love or hate. It's the, the green energy. Huh. It's you just have never experienced the green, whether from the black or from the white. Or not, not never. It's just in, in this particular incarnation, perhaps yeah. you're missing it. Right, so you just want to understand what emotion, what color emotion we're talking about. Right, and as soon as you know the color, like what do you do next? Because let let's say you've never experienced love, but you want to experience love, and you 
identify the color. Yeah, so just to, uh, like I said, you start fe- feeding that rainbow with green. Yeah. Um, where there was nothing, now there's going to be a source of green energy that you can tap into uh-huh. inside of your emotional body. That means that, oh, and by the way, because your emotional body is communicating with your energetic body, is communicating with your physical body because it's all the same matryoshka like Russian doll concept, you can in, imagine if say you're missing the green energy, your emotional body sending you an avalanche of green energy. And you just like, you can feel like you need to, you would want to imagine that green energy flowing everywhere in your body, every vein covering, you know, every organ, just like, you know, it would allow that energy to penetrate your body and take it over. The key is to imagine because you've never experienced it. You just have to imagine. That's the first step. Yeah. That's the first step because once that green streak is floating, what is going to happen is the external world is going to put people, circumstances, and events in your way that would actually bring that feeling forth. So first you just, the, the only work you need to do is to make that frequency available to be manifested in your world. Mm-hmm. I see now. Yeah. Right? No, so you, you make that part of your range. Mm-hmm. Because it's part of your range, eventually it's going to get manifested. The power of attraction. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's not about faking the emotion at all. Right. And you can't, to your point, if you've never experienced, how could you fake it? No, you couldn't. You You couldn't. Mm -hmm. Got it. And uh, if you look at the collective emotional body of men and women separately, uh, what are the biggest uh, shadows on earth for men and women? Control for men manifests as deep burgundy. So red with a lot of black in it, almost more black than anything, or brownish energy. Um, the need to like that need to be in charge, which is the same thing as control, like the suppression of everything that is not you, like the inability and complete disinterest in the point of views and wishes and wants of others there is a lot of there is a lot of lust but not just in a sexual connotation for men it is like lusting after like money and power and certain lifestyle there is a lot of that that's connected to the material shadow um you know for men they're really like i said they're working through if you're familiar with the chakras it's um red orange and yellow spectrum so a lot of the shadows of men masculinity on this planet are going to be connected to the shadows of those energy centers and those chakras and what color does it have lust um again muddy lust is in the red spectrum mm. um so d- it, it is i, I experience this as a lot of darkness 
power grabs again around control um numbness absence of emotions yeah suppression of emotions uh can do anything if i don't have to feel hmm. feel justified if i don't have to feel um the you know whatever means it takes uh as long as i get to that goal um but also powerlessness that actually manifests as like a black bluish energy where men feel like their the circumstances are greater and they cannot get to what they need to get or they cannot provide or it's just like no matter what i do i cannot i can't make it happen uh, so it's that powerlessness apathy where they like stop fighting stop doing anything like stagnation hmm. definitely a masculine shadow unprocessed grief men are not processing grief on this planet all the uncried tears are black clots yeah unexpressed love like where they are withholding love and approval Mm -hmm. very often Again, like that. Again, this is all in the blue spectrum shadow. Like not expressing. Yeah. So, like, when men are, like, proud of their children, for instance, very often they would not express that. Neither do they prefer to express love. They think that, you know, I'm expressing love by buying you things or I'm expressing love by providing for you instead of spending quality time and instead of actually communicating how they're feeling. Hmm. Should I keep going? Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, one or two, and then we can switch to women. Sure. Um, Let's see. Um... I mean there's another shadow around like like i said like denying their emotions in favor of their um intellect so it's it's kind of like being a one-sided type human and thinking that that is actually uh what it's supposed to look like hmm. um so like suppressing the heart and everything that has to do with the heart yeah energies not even wanting to go there, not appreciating those energies, not valuing them high enough, thinking of them as weakness as opposed to strength. And that, by that, through that, like, in general, men are very, very blocked on this planet around experiencing true connection. So they don't feel true connection, even to their you know closest women um it is that connection aspect is a little bit disbalanced they're either you know given too much or taking too much 
so that connection part aspect hasn't really been figured out even in the three-dimensional plane let alone connection with like higher aspects and higher realms like that is before we can unlock that for men we have to unlock just the, the green heart chakra connection let's start there um uh, another shadow is needing to be right uh, because a lot of, you know, so the, the shadow aspect of the yellow center is um, that like live or die necessity to be right and immense fear of being wrong or failing or, or doing the wrong thing. Um, so a lot of pressure and pressure of expectations because men are actually under a lot of pressure because women have been put in a position for many, many centuries, and that's starting to change, in a position of not being able to provide for themselves. And so that pressure is on men. And it's a lot of pressure. It was never meant to be that way. Hmm. Uh, because when you, when you take power out of one um, gender right, or one aspect of humanity, that energy has to go somewhere. It's actually manifesting in the form of too much pressure, where men feel like they cannot be wrong, they cannot make the wrong choice, they cannot fail. So because of that, some of them never even go for it. Some of them never even try. They're so scared to fail. Hmm. The ones that do try then have a lot of, like, blame, um, they blame themselves and they blame others. Very often, if um, a guy would try something for the sake of his family, like, you know, take a risk or something or like take an unloved job uh, and then they, you know, either get stuck with it or like they just feel like they're failing at life, they would blame themselves, but they would also blame their families and they would blame people around them that they had to make the sacrifice for. So it's a lot of like guilt and blame as a shadow there's a lot of shadow aspects maybe i'll i'll switch quickly to women yeah let's do women just as many issues with connection uh different maybe different uh, it takes different formats uh, but a lot of shadow around being secure um, in going after that connection and admitting that you need it and admitting that you want it. And, and again, like you have either women that withdraw or women that are too clingy, issues with connection. Either they, you know, either they call you all the time or like, what time are you coming home? Uh, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, whether that's like from a wife or that's from a mother, like you, you, ha- you know those archetypes really, really well. It's because they have an issue with connection. But also an issue, a lot, a lot of shadow for women in the yellow center. In fact, the yellow center in women is so underdeveloped. I could not begin to tell you. Like in some women, it's absent altogether. So everything that makes them who they are, everything that makes them themselves, which is not to say that the egos are absent, 
when I say like, so there's a lot of shadow in the yellow sector for women because they never had to stand for themselves. They could just, you know, let their husband figure things out for them. So a lot of them just took the easy route and just took the easy path. They never had to figure out what it is that they want. Get married, have children, be a homemaker. You can do it. (laughs) So they didn't have to develop the yellow center. And so there is a whole slew of shadows associated with that on the emotional level. A lot of them have never experienced fulfillment, self-fulfillment. A lot of them have never experienced true creativity in a way that doesn't stem from what society wants them to do, but stems from what they want to do. Because creativity for women has historically been defined as arts. It's like you sing, you dance, you paint, maybe you write. That's it. But what about everything else? Right? Yeah. Um, You know, when when your creativity spectrum is so limited, um, you're really not truly able to be creative at all. I mentioned a lot about you know sense of personal power sense of personal space um there is a lot of victim mentality uh, in the collective feminine on this planet so being put in a position of a victim either rebelling from a position of a victim or just suffering from a position of a victim so that concept of the oppressor and the slave where the feminine is playing the slave and Oh, feel so sorry for itself. So there is a lot of that aspect of like deep sorrow instead of joy. Very few women actually experience true joy. Hmm. That's very sad. Outside of maybe, you know, connected to children, but that even that is short lived. Hmm. Uh, because women are not able to build their sense of self-identity. Like I said, the yellow is broken. They find their identity in their family members. Very often it's husband or children. That's why when they get separated or the children leave, the woman doesn't have any of anything of herself uh, remaining. Oh, you mean she doesn't leave for herself? She leaves for her husband and children? I guess that's one way of putting it, but it's not as benevolent. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's okay to give freely and come from a position of my cup is so full that I want to help you. I want to support you. A lot of women come from a position of I am so empty that I need a reason to live that's outside of me. And the society is telling me it's my family my husband and my children, so I will live vicariously through them. It doesn't work that way. It, it actually is making up for generations of very, very unhappy women. Because the female energy is a giving energy, and when your cup is empty, you have nothing to give, it throws you for a loop. It throws you for a loop of what's wrong with me. Why am I so drained and tired all the time? Why do I feel like everybody's clinging to me for energy that I don't have to give? Why do I feel like everybody's always taking from me? Which again, goes back to that victim mentality. Very prevalent. A lot of body issues. A lot of um, self-assessment issues. A lot of um, issues with um, 
low, low self-confidence uh, because women have been de- deranked to bodies, right? Uh, it's a very, you know, it's a society where they're judged very outwardly for their beauty for the most part. Um, and every time there's something, you know, that doesn't conform to the ideals of the society, the big, big, big shadow comes up and that shadow actually ends in, I'm going to end up alone. That's the fear. Hmm. The fear I'm going to end up alone. Uh, because I'm I'm not superficially pretty, right? And that is yet again like the the self worth is not there. Women don't feel worthy in and of themselves because they were never allowed a chance to stand for themselves, make their way in the world, and actually see that they're worth something. So their biggest fear is being alone because their yellow center is so underdeveloped that they truly cannot stand on their own two feet. Because they don't know what the hell they want. They don't know what the hell makes them happy. You know, things like that. And of course, there is like a big fear of motherhood, of birth, um, even of being a, a bad wife, of like not being enough. Big shadow. But again, like I can keep going. Yeah, it's a lot of shadows. We can have a separate episode just on yeah. shadows. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, my last question would be around uh, uh, new emotions. Are there any new emotions that are going to be available for the humanity in the nearest future? You mean new for the planet? Yeah. Meh. No? There's nothing new under the sun. I mean, uh, define new, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I've heard that uh, the, the, the range of emotions is so broad that people are not experiencing the whole range, even like if you look at the entire humanity. Well, that's just what I said, yeah. Yeah. And uh, other, like because the vibrations are going up, maybe people will be able to experience some like new emotions. So the one level up for for men is the green chakra and for women also. Uh, so, you know, the humanity has been living in the shadow of red to yellow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of chakras. So the next two chakras up are green and blue. So what that means is they bring with themselves a certain type of emotion uh, or new levels that humanity might not have experienced before so all kinds of emotions around love right but not just romantic love more so like loving your community uh, supporting you know like the collective more so like love more in the in the more cosmic sense right mm-hmm. uh, taking people as part of yourself even if they're not in your immediate family and that's actually for both genders Mm. so higher aspects of love yeah are definitely up for disrupting this planet at the moment and that that's going to be a common refrain for the next ten thousand years like it's not necessarily like for right now and then expression which is that blue chakra it's true expression for you know for men it'll unlock their emotional expression 
So we're going to start seeing a lot more men leading with their heart and with their, who they truly are on this planet. So we're going to start collectively transcending for men those authoritarian, that authoritarian type leadership that is very suffocating and very old energy. Uh, for, for women, we're going to start seeing self-expression in the sense of self-discovery understanding what you want and communicating that freely standing for it standing for your higher potential right um also communication between the genders like true understanding is going to start slowly sifting through very slowly uh true understanding between genders is hundreds of thousands of uh, like uh years away <laughs> Yeah, uh, when you but, go slowly, it means like hundreds of thousands of years. Yes, it's, 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 it's going to take a little bit of time. So, But, you know, that expression of true highest potential for the truest highest good is a completely new frequency. It's not, I want this to make me rich. It's not, I want this to make me happy. It's, I want this because it's going to serve everyone type of expression. It is very much a new energy on this planet. Mm, and in your emotion because how it makes you feel is yeah. very different it is. from just self-serving and me 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 all the time got it yeah that's that's awesome all right thank you so much for sharing with this information with us today and uh, now i'm going to end our session and i'm very grateful for the information you provided to us today I'm asking the higher self to visit to where it belongs. With much love and much thanks for the help and information it has been giving Maria today. I know she's really going to appreciate it. Now, I want all the consciousness and personality of Maria to once again return and fully integrate back into the body completely. 